Hello, everyone. I welcome you very much to Radio Evolve, our global webcast for consciousness and culture. I'm very happy to have here with me um, Soryu Foral. Soryu, hello to you. Yes, very happy to be a part of this. Soryu, you are a Buddhist teacher. Uh, you live in America, Vermont, uh, where mm -hmm. you also are leading a, what you call monastic academy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are all living uh, in a real global crisis right now, the coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And uh, it has hit Europe uh, much more than it has hit the US at, at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and we would just like to talk uh, with you Because of course there are many uh, there are many questions around the Corona crisis, and uh, our question is what is what is a contribution that we can bring? And yes. if not, uh, the question is uh, to really understand what what does it mean to keep our humanity in all of this, or even yes. to keep our humanity in the Corona virus crisis. So you yes. are a spiritual teacher. Uh, you are also very involved in social issues. You lived in uh, Asian countries, uh, you are teaching around the world, uh, you are working with young people, and from your perspective, uh, working with consciousness, spirit, um, uh, what is your response to the coronavirus crisis? Um, what's your, your personal uh, situation with that? Is, uh, Has it hit your region? Is it something that's happening in different continents? Or how do you experience the situation that we're in right now? Yes. Uh, well, as you say, uh, it hasn't uh, spread everywhere equally. And it hasn't spread to the U.S. and not to this part of the U.S. as much as elsewhere. Uh, for example, Europe, but it does impact me uh, personally. My uh, one of my oldest friends from high school, mm -hmm. uh, her father has it has the coronavirus now, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a very dangerous situation, and so it does have a a personal impact on me, and our community here has. Uh, discussed the issue at length. Uh, we have uh, looked at it from many different angles. And uh, I'd like to talk about a few of those angles, but I'll jump ahead to, to the main conclusion that we've come to. Uh, and that is that it's most important that we at a time like this, are able to simultaneously face the problem, that we're able to acknowledge the problem, be with the problem, without getting caught up in it and panicking and becoming overwhelmed by uh, uh, an intense experience that uh, calls us away from mindfulness and trust. Uh, this is, of course, a, a very difficult uh, assignment for us at this time. 
But as you say, it, if we can do it, then it's a wonderful opportunity to deepen our minds, to deepen our hearts, to deepen our humanity. If we can stay with this, we can stay with the crisis and the uh, suffering, then we, on the one hand, become more compassionate, and on the other hand, aren't traumatized by it. If we can find a way to be that engaged without panicking, without falling into states of fear uh, and being guided by that, then again, we can bring forth compassion and we won't be traumatized by it. And so our basic approach here is to understand that the most dangerous part of this crisis, as is the case with almost all modern crises, is the human mind, is the way our minds respond to the problem, either resolving it, perhaps that takes time, or unfortunately, sometimes creating new problems, uh, and occasionally creating problems even worse than the one that we're trying to solve. And so we've ended up focusing on cultivation of mind, in particular by doing this fundamental, uh, learning this fundamental skill. How do you stay with something like this crisis? How do you stay with it? How do you acknowledge it, face it, without getting caught up in reactions to it, in panic and fear, uh, so that our minds are as useful as possible and cause as little harm, as little trauma, and as few other problems as possible. Uh, The good news is that uh, we are capable of this. And in fact, to learn how to stay with an experience without getting caught up in it is exactly the skill that we learn in meditation. Uh, And this is a time, because of the shutdown of so much of our society, when a lot of us have the opportunity to meditate. One question that I have is um, people who have um, uh, a relationship to mindfulness, who mm-hmm. are rooted in something uh, that you're talking about. In a situation uh, as we are in, do we also have a particular responsibility for not just ourselves, but for the larger society? Because there are so many questions right now. Uh, Uh, We have the the coronavirus crisis, but there is uh, just behind it also a huge economic crisis that is lingering Mm -hmm. or is already starting. There's a lot of fear going on. And as Mm -hmm. you were saying in the beginning, uh, there are two huge dangers. One is uh, just to uh, uh, deny reality Mm -hmm. and think it's just uh, some kind of fake news. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other, it's dangerous to kind of uh, panic and... uh, re-traumatize uh, or traumatize in a situation where we are needed. Yes. And uh, isn't it uh, something that people who have mindfulness, who have practice in mindfulness, who have a depth of spirit uh, that we have to engage and open up spaces so that we can also can help the community around us to deal with the crisis in a way that we 
stay present, that we stay with each other, that we don't isolate, that we don't freak out? Uh, is there a specific role that people uh, with a spiritual foundation can play in this situation? Yes, I think so. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so let me tell you a, bit of, a little bit of a story to yeah. put this into perspective. Uh, this is one crisis, it's a, and it's impacting the, uh, the global economy, the global society. And as it happens, I find myself here uh, in a monastery. And this monastery, like many monasteries through human history, uh, is very much engaged in the issues and the problems of the world. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, there's the sense that that's not the case, uh, that monasteries are entirely cloistered and separate. But... Uh, that's that happens, but it's actually quite rare in the monastic in the world monastic tradition. And so I look and watch the current situation. I uh, twenty years ago, I was in a monastery in Asia, mm -hmm. and uh, I was in a Japanese Zen monastery at the time of the terrorist attacks of September eleventh. And uh, from that position in a monastery, was able to watch society uh, respond to that, to, to that attack. Mm -hmm. And again, it impacted me personally. One of my college friends was killed in the Twin Towers when they oh, really? went down. Um, and so, of course, there was a deep personal impact. I was very concerned. But the main thing that we noticed... Uh, from that monastic standpoint was that uh, the, the people in the world were traumatizing themselves and creating more suffering than was already there. There was the sense that uh, if we panic enough, if we get emotionally worked up enough, we'll respond well, but that isn't always the best way to respond. It's important to face emotions, of course. It's one of the main benefits of meditation. Uh, we sit with our feelings and we experience them completely. We don't bypass them or push them away. Uh, if we were going to do that, then it wouldn't make any sense to sit down and, and uh, experience them. And so we do that, but as we work through them, we let them go. And people were just working themselves up into a frenzy uh, even in Japan, and I heard a great deal about what was, what was happening here in the U.S. And because of that, um, problems arose that were greater than the original problem, mm -hmm. which I know may be somewhat controversial of me as a U.S. citizen to say, but I feel that uh, the United States responded to that in ways that caused more suffering than the original attack. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> It isn't that nothing happened. We acknowledge that something happened and it was terrible. It's our job to face that without becoming so overwhelmed by it that we take actions that cause further pain, suffering, and injustice. Uh, <clears throat> and so I've been very happy to be in monasteries at the time 
of these two crises. Mm-hmm. It's been very good for me. I don't feel traumatized. I, I feel that I have experienced the pain and the fear more completely than most people who I know. Uh, and also that I am less traumatized by it than most mm-hmm. people I know. So it's the best of both worlds. Uh, beyond that, be, because of that state of mind, I and other people in monasteries uh, have been able to not re- respond, not react with anger, uh, with fear. And, uh, and beyond that, we have been in a position to support each other, to see each other clearly, uh, give each other love as we move through this. And so <clears throat> the monastic setting is an excellent <laughs> setting to be in in a time of crisis. And I'd recommend to the people in the world, of course, one thing you can do is change your life and go and live in a monastery. I think that that is very good for each of us and very good for the world. And there are different sorts of monastic settings. Uh, But not everyone is in a position to do that. And at this time, the good news is that you have the chance to make a little monastery right in your home and practice uh, as if you did live in a monastic setting Mm -hmm. uh, to meditate, to constantly treat people in a friendly way, to be aware of problems without getting tangled in them uh, and to have this kind of uh, discipline in which we can see how the human mind has a tendency to try to solve problems Mm. and that's good. But a lot of the time our solutions create new problems. Mm. And so a lot of the time, the best thing we can do is very little or nothing. A lot of the time we have to take clear action and I have done that. Uh, One of the, solutions actually that we discussed here uh it seems radical and we didn't do it but i just want to give everyone a sense of how free our thought was here as we tried to work through this problem early on in this crisis uh, i actually suggested that we consider uh dealing with the problem of this so so one of the main problems is that the number of people who get it will increase on a certain curve At the highest point of that curve, there won't be enough medical resources for everyone. That's one of the great dangers of this crisis. And so I suggested that we try to help with that by going out and getting it as quickly as possible. Mm. That we would be on the early side of it, that we would take the hit, you could say. And then we'd be immune to it for at least a little while. And during that time, of course, the information isn't well, isn't well understood, but perhaps during mm-hmm. that time, we could be of service mm-hmm. without carrying the virus here and there uh-huh. uh, because there may be a terrible crisis. And so the idea of you know, getting it as quickly as possible isn't a common solution uh, that's advised. And we didn't do it, but I'm just trying to be clear that we're in a situation where we can be that free in our brainstorming and our try, trying to understand how to, how to respond to this in a way that's selfless and cares for the whole world. Uh, it should also be rational and we should be careful about this. Mm-hmm. And all of that comes together uh, as we 
look at this squarely, but also without panicking. If uh, I, oh yeah, go ahead. If, if I may come in and also, uh, I mean, uh, what you uh, were suggesting, it, it's just also the radicality of what you're talking. <laughs> it just opens the mind that maybe we have responses that are uh, beyond what you usually think is a possible response that we right, exactly. could think about. And that already has something freeing to, to think beyond what we usually think is the frame of we, usually, we should think in. But, exactly. But I also want to come back to the beginning of what you were Please. saying, Men Please. mentioning the, uh, the Terror Attack 2001. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, interesting enough, I was in a, in a similar situation yeah. uh, in, in, in a kind of a mon monastic uh, context uh, three hours north of New York. Oh, yes. And as a European. Yes. And I experienced uh, uh, the, the attack very directly. Uh, yes. A lot of people there were directly, uh, uh, I mean, we were many people from New York were in this context where I was living there. But uh, exactly what you were describing, because I lived there also for, the, for some years after, yes. uh, I was very aware of the deep traumatic response of the collective of the American nation. Yes. Uh, and uh, how uh, the trauma was so penetrating and so overall that uh, it created also very irrational responses. And of course, the attack in Iraq was a direct uh, uh, follow-up from the trauma yes. of 2001. And yes. we know uh, by now, uh, that's exactly, exactly what, what you were also referring to, that this created at that point much more trauma worldwide than 2001 in itself. Yes. And to be aware that uh, as traumatic the, the crisis is right now, there is also the possibility that our responses create more traumatic crisis if we don't allow to also let go, uh, exactly. to trust, uh, to be. Uh, so there's a responsibility uh, to um, be not infected also by the epidemic of fear. Exactly. That's right. Yes, and again, I'd suggest that the greatest danger in the modern world is the danger of the human mind. Mm -hmm. uh, unskillful reactions to problems. Uh, but human choices uh, made from an unskillful mind in response to problems often create larger problems. Mm. And the good news is we all have access to, we're all in a position to cultivate the human mind. Mm. Everyone. There isn't a single person who doesn't have access to, who cannot cultivate the human mind. All of us can do it. And so in one moment, our minds are the greatest danger on the planet and the greatest opportunity on the planet. Right. Uh, and again, that's why I suggest that people use this time to create a little monastery in their own home uh, to work with this, to discover how to find what in Buddhism we call the middle way. Mm -hmm. So I find that when I talk to certain people, they say, we have to face this problem. It's a huge problem. And 
they have the sense that if you're not panicking, you're not taking it seriously. Yeah. Other people say, we don't have to do so much about this. And they seem to have the sense that if you're paying any attention to it, you're uh, ma- making, as you say, just this fake news. You're, it's, a, it's just uh, empty media. Yeah. And so there's this one response, which is face it and get tangled in it. There's the other response, which is ignore it, uh, pay no attention. The middle way says we're going to pay attention and we're not going to get entangled. We're going to be present, but we're not going to panic. Uh, this is very difficult and, <laughs> and requires training. Yeah. And that's why we, would, we might create a little space in our homes mm-hmm. where we can train our minds and we know that we are there for uh, improving the world right there in our own home at this time of crisis. Let me ask a very, on one hand, practical, and on the other hand, very spiritual question. Mm-hmm. On ground of what should I not panic right now? Particularly mm-hmm. in, situ- in, in situations, uh, I mean, okay, in Vermont, uh, you're not in the middle of it, but uh, in parts of Europe, uh, uh, the situation uh, is different. And also, the, the, the virus is one fear. The other fear is the Uh, economic collapse, uh, exactly. mass employment. People are. Uh, th- this is as much fear right now as the as the virus itself. So, Absolutely. on the ground of what uh, uh, is there any justification to not panic? Yeah, it's very good. It's an excellent question. Uh, <clears throat> so, I'll, let me answer it in a few ways. One answer is that once again, the panic will create those problems. Uh, it's very easy for a panic, not, not all the problems you say, but some of the problems you say the panic Mm -hmm. can produce. And so we don't want those problems. So it doesn't make sense for us to engage in the activity that will create them. Uh, that's part one. Uh, but that may not feel all that compelling to us individually, Mm. uh, because here we are in this situation. Uh, The next point I'd like to make is that even for us personally, the the panic is itself suffering. So we have the problem. The panic then, on the one hand, as I already said, causes us to behave in ways that may create the problem even more. But immediately it creates suffering. Uh, I was talking to someone about this, a student of mine who's left uh, this kind of training and is uh, living in the world. And, uh, and she said, it's as if people in the world feel like if I beat sorrow to the punch, then I win. Like I'm safe if I get sad and afraid even before the sadness and fear gets me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said, And she also is in a place now with uh, more similar to Europe. And she said, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to die. I don't know if I'm going to have work. But in any case, I'm, I do have control over whether I'm uh, suffering due to freaking out, due to panic, due to fear. I'm not going to die afraid. 
that I can control. And I think that this is a, a, a good uh, approach to it, a good way to look at it. But we can continue, we can con continue with reasons that it would, on the ground of what would we not panic. And now I'm going to move into my, into a, uh, uh, well, the way I'm going to respond now, I hope doesn't sound callous or without feeling. Uh, it actually is uh, based on deep feeling and deep concern and deep compassion. Uh, I would say that the reaction that we're having right now to this virus is a very reasonable reaction that we should be having to other even more serious problems in the world today, such as global warming. Uh, if we had this reaction to global warming, it would make a lot of sense because global warming is, in my view, far more dangerous than this virus. Uh, potentially could result in the collapse of all of human civilization and the death of most people. Uh, but we haven't responded to that. We haven't uh, demanded a response like this as a whole. If we go back uh, a few hundred years, several hundred years, uh, to the, the most extreme, probably the most historically impactful pandemic of all time, something that we call the Black Death, the bubonic plague. Uh, that was an extremely traumatizing event, especially in European history. Uh, of course, it seems to have started in China. It had a great impact on all of Eurasia and a good portion of Africa. But in particular, in, uh, in Europe, the numbers dead were astounding and caused the collapse and uh, transformation of European society. And a lot of the time when we look back on it, we, we try to understand what was the experience like for the people who were going through this as they watched a third of the population die. In some places, 90% of the people were killed. What was it like? And one of the main questions at the time that was asked, if we, if we try to bring ourselves back into those individuals' uh, mindset, they were asking, what is God saying? What is the message that God is trying to convey to us? Has God abandoned us? Has God chosen to punish us? What is happening here? Uh, consider this deeply religious society, a society whose entire lives were revolved around the church. The church at this point was deeply involved in society. As I say, monasteries are often very much involved in society and the monasteries and also the rest of the church was the, uh, probably the central aspect of society at the time involved in everything. Uh, and so of course the question was asked, what does God 
uh, ask us to see at this time what is happening? And the answer couldn't be found at the time. But I'd suggest that God, however we understand God, as a spiritual teacher, I can, I'm in a position to talk about God, I suppose. So I'd say that God actually had a message. God was saying something to those people. And it was, don't travel so much. And don't trade so much. And don't reproduce so much. Because it's only because of the very specific economic and social situation that came about at that time in Eurasia that this plague could spread. Uh, the message actually was clear, but it's hard for people to understand that a mass shift may be needed in the direction of human history. We didn't accept it at the time. And in, in fact, we threw God away and entered the Renaissance <laughs> and, and made ourselves into gods and entered this, this age of humanism mm -hmm. uh, in which we think that absolutely unlimited growth is not only possible, but is necessary. Mm -hmm. And so one of the reasons that I'd suggest we shouldn't be afraid is that there are positives to this pandemic mm -hmm. if we see them and use them. Mm. One, of course, it can be small things like, well, it looks like uh, normal flu deaths will go down significantly. Half a million people die every year of the flu and that will drop. Okay, good. So that's very small, but it's something. Uh, we haven't paid much attention to that, but now we can. We can know, well, mm. we're learning about hygiene and that's helpful. Okay, so that's a relatively small thing, but it's something. It brings our mind into a more positive state. But more significant, we can see maybe this, this virus, if we want to, we can take it as a suggestion that it's time to slow down, mm -hmm. that we have been frenetic for hundreds of years now, and it's been accelerating. People nowadays are busy, are in fact in a state of panic almost all the time in the, in the modern world, in this modern economy, in which we feel that we have to work constantly, we have to make more and more money, we have to gather more and more resources, there has to be unlimited economic growth and unlimited human uh, control. Instead of that, we have this chance now to make a shift. As I say, if we have this kind of reaction to global warming, that's good. And in fact, one of the good parts of this pandemic is that, the, is that global warming is being slowed by it. Mm -hmm. I don't know of anything as effective as this virus for preventing global warming. As I say, that's a very serious threat. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and so we can take that as a positive. We can know, look, we're doing it. We are, in fact, learning how to slow down. We're learning how to stop needing to do, 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 but instead calm down because maybe God's will, if we'll call it that, mm -hmm. God, however, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not Christian. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I think we have to be a little bit mystical in our understanding mm -hmm. of what God is, but our, uh, our understanding of God's message can be, it's time mm -hmm. to slow down and it's time for the entire civilization 
to change direction. And this can be our opportunity. If we receive this in that way, then we make that into a path. If and, I, so, and so the, ma- the main point I'd make is the basis for not panicking is look for the positives. And there are some extremely positive things about this. Uh-huh. For example, seeing that we can shift our civilization in a matter of weeks mm-hmm. in order to deal with a global crisis. And so we can do it with other crises yeah. such as global warming. Interesting that you came to, to this in the end, because I also would like, I wanted to go there because uh, um, of course, uh, when we ask, uh, as you asked, oh, what uh, does God want to tell us? Uh, if you're not religious, I think also the question, what does the virus want to tell us? Yes, very good. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, whatever uh, the way of asking this is basically, is, is there something uh, that could be meaningful in the deepest sense? That's the, that's the question. Uh, that yeah. you're asking. And of course, I mean, the virus itself is not, uh, 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 it's not the, the, the plague. It won't be as devastating as the plague. Also, I think that uh, as much of, of a fear right now is, is what comes uh, with it, which is uh, mm-hmm. the economic crisis and, and mm-hmm. everything uh, that, that we uh, may, maybe live now again in 1929. And we ask, so how will the 1930s and 1940s look like now? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, all this, But uh, with this uh, to uh, see, and I think that's really, if we want to take out something uh, positive out of it, uh, it shows that uh, we can, uh, if we want, and if we see a crisis, respond. Maybe even overreact, but we can respond. As you are saying, uh, the main crisis that we're living right in is uh, the the climate crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the point is, uh, very much since many decades, we don't want to see it. And part of the reason that we don't want to see it, because nobody believes that we can respond to it globally. Exactly. So maybe, and, and or this may be coincidence or whatever, but right now, uh, it is also an eye-opener that if we collectively see something, we also collectively in a global scale are able to respond, exactly. which maybe can be... Uh, uh, the, the, the missing link in order to respond to the climate crisis and everything, which uh, um, is maybe the, the slowing down or asking the way how we do economy, asking a lot of things, how we do uh, society uh, in order to, to see what we are doing to earth as a whole. Exactly. So there is something where we not to play down, not, not to make something positive out of something negative, but to see uh, there's something uh, that can be learned that maybe can be very positive uh, if we take it. And it needs exactly. our open heart and our open mind to be able to see it. Mm. Exactly. I very much appreciate how eloquently you uh, rephrased uh, the points that I was attempting to make. It's, it's, it is exactly the opportunity that I see. And uh, once again, it requires that we face this problem and then respond without uh, traumatizing ourselves further. Yeah. There's one uh, other aspect. Uh, yes, go ahead. Let me come in here uh, about the monastic experience uh, that you were referring to. And I also would like to, uh, to, to, to kind of point to, because the monastic experience, one 
apart, and I, uh, I really appreciate this, uh, use this uh, to meditate, whatever that mm-hmm. means for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's other, um, a monastic uh, context is often a, a way of coming together in this. Yes, exactly. And I, I think maybe also to find ways in this um, to come together. Exactly. Which, of course, is particularly difficult in a time where you're called for, uh, for social isolation. But uh, in, in your being context, something that we are trying to do right here also from, with our means is to use technology, the internet, uh, uh, something like internet uh, conferencing to come together in the spirit that you are describing and allow yeah. this to, be, to impact uh, our, our own soul, our own mind, but also impact uh, uh, the, the environments that we're living in because fear is contagious, but trust is contagious too. That's right. That's right. In my view, there is no social resource more valuable than trust. And it should be legitimate trust. And we should set it up so that that legitimate trust spreads. As you say, it's contagious. Uh, to me, the, the most important part of a monastery is the community. More than meditation, more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It's the community. And so, yes, it's very important to come together. We already live in an age of depression and loneliness, certainly here in the United States. Uh, but my understanding is also in Europe and other areas of the world. Uh, and so, yes, we can use this as a time to come together and connect. Uh, it's very, very important that we do, that we make those connections, partially because that's of direct benefit to us. It's very, very good for us to connect. Uh, <clears throat> but beyond that, it becomes, as you say, a way to make this this hope, this seeing of the potential positives here into a reality. We can, we can take our uh, connections with each other and use that as a conduit to turn this fear, which is legitimate and we experience it, but then we move it into action of some kind in order to benefit the world. Uh, for example, with the climate crisis. Uh, these connections can bring forth points of view that we wouldn't have thought of. And to me, that is what's most exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, at, during this crisis of 2001, the terrorist attacks, my mother said, this is an incredible opportunity for the United States to demonstrate a new way of responding to terrorism. Mm -hmm. And as we know, we didn't take the path that she was hoping we might. Uh, But when she said that, it it opened my mind to a very different way of looking at the situation. In the same way we can connect now and know that we can spread both hope, a sense that we can move forward in a positive way, but we can also simply spread open-mindedness. We can spread the possibility that we don't know all the possibilities. And, that, and when that happens in a context of friendship, mm-hmm. then the, the, the most dangerous crises 
can be turned into the greatest opportunities. It's interesting that you bring in here the word friendship because uh, in, in the previous conversation we had, you, you talked about uh, the, the, the spiritual uh, importance of friendship. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems that a crisis like this, in fact, like any real crisis, uh, also allows us to develop uh, the capacity for friendship. Yes. But if I may bring an example, I'm living here in Frankfurt, Germany, in a little village on the outskirts of Frankfurt. And uh, there is uh, uh, a new neighborhood uh, friendship developing right now. Oh, amazing. People, uh, elderly people, are, who cannot, uh, or, uh, who, who are scared to go shopping. Yes. Their people just basically can't go to these people and say, I go shopping for you. Oh, amazing. Are, or people who usually don't talk to each other, uh, mm-hmm. and we know they are, are in, in also economic uh, uh, difficulties because they're, they're, there's a restaurant right near who's losing all their business right now. Yes. And we, 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 we can, there's conversation, what can we do to create on the village basis resilience? Yes. And also to take this as an opportunity, uh, that is an opportunity with the crisis to yeah, just practice friendship. Yes. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. There's many, if, if we look at, at the history of crises, we see many examples of times when crises result in very damaging human behaviors. You could say that it brings out the worst in us. Mm-hmm. And, and we see examples of times when crises bring out the best in us. And we are, and we're not only capable of what we didn't think we were capable of. Uh, we not only discover that we can do what we didn't think we could do. We not only discover that our love is deeper than our hate, but in fact, we discover what that we can do. Or we didn't know could be done at all. Uh, we see many examples of this through history and which way it goes depends on which kind of relationship becomes contagious. Mm-hmm. And so it's extremely important that we accept the deep power that we have in initiating friendship and mm-hmm. in knowing that friendship is the most central, the basis and the pinnacle of the spiritual life. We meditate, of course, it's important because that way we can, and I again would recommend that people do that, in order to fa- learn how to face a problem without getting tangled up in it. But the demonstration of meditation is in relationship. Uh, and so, as I say, I feel so grateful to have been, as you were, in a community uh, at these times of crisis. And if we have that, then we should t- take advantage of it. And if we don't, then incredibly enough, there are ways of developing these friendships and expressing our love for each other at a time of crisis, and perhaps even especially at a time of crisis. Sorry, um, as we are also coming to the end of our time here, um, of course, uh, the crisis is real. Uh, uh, and... Uh, there is this danger, and I'm really grateful that you brought in 2001 
because uh, it really uh, shows something I think that's that's incredibly important uh, that we see that with our response we can create more damage than the crisis that we're in. Mm-hmm. And our response can come from a different place. Yes. That's part of why I wanted to talk to you because there are people who uh, in communities uh, in all different ways uh, that really also try to hold something that is freer, let's put it that way. Uh, mm-hmm. It allows us to be uh, more compassionate uh, to to let go and, and, have, and have a response that comes from a deeper place. Meditation, other forms of, of practice are, are ways to do that. Friendship is a way to express that. And uh, something that we can learn, I think, in this crisis is uh, to find different answers, how to be human. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It can ask us to go beyond what we thought we could do it can ask us to go beyond what we thought could be done. And as we've said, it proves, the crisis has already proved that we can come together as a world community and respond effectively in order to resolve a great danger. This is our chance to resolve this particular danger while creating as little trauma as possible and as few other problems as possible. And also, we can take this as an indication as evidence that we can come together and solve the great problems of the modern age. Uh, But all of that is based around the skill building that one might call spirituality or human development or true education that we try to do in a monastic setting. But as I say, we can all live in a monastic setting now. And so we take each next challenge. For example, how can I connect with someone right now? Meaning, and when I say right now, I mean right now. I don't mean later today. Mm -hmm. How can I connect with someone right now? Next, how can I create a a new kind of relationship uh, Mm -hmm. over the next few days? How can I gain the ability to face this crisis without getting tangled in it so that I can respond from a different place? How can I create a community of people responding from a different place? Ultimately, how can we respond to the enormous crises of this age, understanding that our minds are both the most dangerous and the most beneficial aspects of the situation? Each of these is an increasingly difficult challenge level that requires more mature skills. But if we deal with each one, then we're ready for the next one. And so I very much hope that the listeners of the program uh, and that we here at the Monastic Academy will do our best to see this as a, a great danger, which is also a great opportunity. Surya, thank you very much for this conversation. Yes, wonderful to be here with you.